okay, I think you know the deal by now. This is another Doctor Who live episode. It's a roundtable discussion discussing the sixth episode of the 2007 series, The Lazarus Experiment. As you know by now, we record these live podcasts every Sunday after a new episode is transmitted on the BBC the night before. And you can be a part of it. We want you to be a part of the show. So uh, to participate, all you need to do is um, go to TalkShoe.com, sign up for a free account there, and then at 1 p.m. on Sunday, Eastern Daylight Time in the U.S., you can join us by calling 724-444-7444. Our TalkCast ID number is 23358. And then you'll be entered, you're just, you'll be asked for your PIN number, which you get when you get a free account. And from there on, you can um, participate in the show. We have live feedback, or if you'd rather just listen to the show live, you can do that without any participation on your part. There's also a text chat feature, too. So if you want to uh, text chat with us while recording, you can do so as well. More information on our live shows can be found on our website at thegallifreinembassy.org or podshock.net. So this is um, Doctor Who Podshock Live, The Lazarus Experiment. Uh, Once again, if you have not seen this episode, you may want to save this podcast until you have seen it, because there may be spoilers. Live from a steamboat casino on the old Mississippi where the celestial toy maker is still up to his old tricks. It's Doctor Who. Podshot. Recorded live. Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 79, The Lazarus Experiment. And we're here <laughs> live on the internet. Uh, along with me is uh, my fellow co-host, Ken Deep. Hello, Hello, Ken. And also joining us, we have Darth Skeptical. Not a kids. Only you could be so bold. <laughs> <laughs> the circle is now complete. Okay, and (laughs) chiming in from up north is Mike Duran. Hello, Mike. Hey, Mike. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Very up north. Or or perhaps not, Mike, from up (laughs) north. Am I not coming through? Yeah, now you are. Yeah. You're a little low volume-wise. You sound a little low. Good to be here. Yeah, I don't know if you can boost your gain at all, if that's possible, but... Oh, stuff, we need need more signal. (laughs) 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 Nothing we can do. Is that better? Yes, a little better. It wasn't your fault, Rand. 
<laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, we're here and we're discussing the Lazarus experiment, which was last night's um, transmitted episode on the BBC. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we'll go around and uh, get everyone's initial take on this. And I have to say that it's um, I was very much um, pleasantly pleased with the episode. It was um, not that I really had any real firm expectations, and maybe that was a benefit. Is is James on board? I heard I just see someone. James is uh, connected, but he's not yet connected audio. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. So, um, yeah, I was um, I was very pleased. I think here here he is. Let me see. He just has. Mr. James? Hello. James, are you there? Hello, James. Hey, sorry about that. Uh, Problems as usual. (laughs) (laughs) Technology. How rude. (laughs) All right. We have our uh, other fellow cohort in crime in Doctor Who Pachak history, Mr. James Norton, fellow cohort, Hello. co-host, <laughs> and and he's coming from I'm assuming the Netherlands um, tonight. Yes. Right? Okay. The Netherlands this week, next week, did back in the good old UK, which is ironic because next week yeah, Eurovision is on. So. <laughs> I guess we will be doing one next week, but never mind. Well, we, we actually will be, but not a. It will be a change of format somewhere. So it'll be a, it will be sort of a open forum, open house type of thing where um, we can because it'll be in the mid series place here. You know, placement in the series um, episode. It would be would have been episode seven. Mm-hmm. So um, we can kind of review where the series has gone so far and. Uh, give a chance for everyone to kind of uh, catch up on talking about um, the first six episodes. Yep. Sounds and good. it's also, will be, <laughs> this is um, from, uh, t- suggested by Taras, and I thought it was a cool idea, it was to kind of just um, have a no post-production episode where it will just go out on the main feeds in a rough, <laughs> ready, and raw format. Uh, <laughs> in, it, let's just push record and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, it was sort of a free-for-all and um, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so, see what feedback we get. Then, you know, you never know. People will be like, oh, it's crappy. Do it, go back to the old format. <laughs> we really can't win, but never mind. We can experiment. That's what it's all about, yeah. isn't it? Just like yeah. the Lazarus experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so Lewis so, was, uh, was yeah, just... I- Starting with I was just what, starting. Uh, his review, his take of the last. Well, my my initial. I kept being interrupted. No, that's what I wanted to you know sort of get you because since I had just started, I think let's just get you on board so that you know doesn't interrupt the flow while everyone's sort of talking you know later on since we're, we just mm-hmm. did the intros. So anyway, yeah, I was just giving my initial um, impression was that I was very pleased with with um, the story. I I didn't really have any firm expectations other than uh, whatever we saw in, in the in the coming attractions, and that gave you very little to work with. Um, obviously, I knew Mark Gaddis was going to be in it, and it was going to be something to do with um, having to go back into one's youth. Because obviously the, the coming attractions made that clear that um, you know he came out as a younger person, he was still you know 76 years old, and so you know obviously we we knew all that and everything. And then um, last week we got to see a little bit more, and we saw um, the Lazarus 
um, creature, if you will, the, and, uh, you know, I kind of compared it to The Thing, you know, John Carpenter's movie, The Thing, that looked like something out of that. I have to say that I really enjoyed the episode. My only um, negative to it would be that it was, give, if it was allowed to have a little bit more time to flesh itself out more. I mean, it was just so much in there. I don't think that it, were, it suffered so much that I just think it would have been that much more if we had, um, if this was, let's say if we were back in the classic series and you had a four episode format, you know, 25 mm. minutes, whatever, uh, you could, like the first 25 minutes could be building up the story and he would come out of the, um, that experimental um, machine, you know, as a younger person and then you would hear Close the credits. And, yeah, yeah, and then, you know, and slowly build itself up. It was very much in a, um, uh, a serial format. I felt like it was. I felt like it was a, almost like a comic book, where it was just um, kind of had that flavor. I felt while watching it, it was very much um, in, in in the classic um, serial adventure format, and I enjoyed that though, since it was. Um, it's also one of the shortest episodes so far in this series, running time wise. Um, I'm not. Sure, I have to check Smith and Jones, but. Without checking that, this is the shortest one so far, again, without knowing Smith & Jones running time um, off the top of my head. I just felt that um, it could have been a little bit better if it just had a little bit more time to flesh itself out more. But having said that, in the format that it had, in, in time constraints that it had to do what it had to do, I, I thought it did it very well. So in, in that respect, I did enjoy it. I, I guess what we'll do is um, we'll kind of... That, that was my initial take, so I'm going to give it off to Ken because I think he has more to say. Yeah, I, I, I agree and disagree. I think because um, there were no expectations going into the episode, I found myself enjoying it, uh, which has happened in the past. You know, we looked forward to Rise of the Cybermen, and it was still an excellent episode, but you, you let your guard down on, on the episode prior to it and the episode after it because there was so much anticipation. Well, the same thing here with the Daleks in Manhattan being the focus of the first half of the season. There was so much focus on, or I should say anticipation for that, that with this episode it was like, well, here, okay, here's the next episode. And I think the guard had been let down a little bit. And I thought Mark Gaddis was, was excellent in this, and I think he restrained himself at one point in the episode from saying, Doctor. <laughs> um, because he says doctor and he... You see him really dying to say it in the very camp comic style that, that, that he's uh, used in the past. Um, uh, yeah, it's great to I, I, see him actually play a part and not have it be a, a comedy sketch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I, I do feel let down in, in certain parts, and that is, once again, the monster. Uh, I thought the, the story was at its best when it was Mark Gaddis playing Lazarus, uh, mm-hmm. being, being um, uh, telling the stories about World War II and, and some of the character information. I think where the story it, it became, uh, and this has happened a couple times now, it becomes the running, the marathon. We have to run up and down some halls. And I think that was the weakest part of the story. I think they could have found another way. Well, that, that goes back to fleshing it out more. That, that, I, that, that I, I felt that if they had more time to play with, um, they could have fleshed out those um, scenes that you were talking about and, and explored that more. That's what I felt was missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why we feel this need to have the monster chase the doctor 
and eat up five, six minutes of screen time uh, when there could be there could be traditional Doctor Who was better spent with the with the characterizations or the Doctor, you know, working out the problem. And he still did that. All the basic elements of great Doctor Who are in this story. And to a certain degree, the monster is required. I just, I would like to see one episode where it's not bug-eyed monster. It's, you know, this man, and he, he was regenerating, and uh, he, he's trying to go back and, and recapture his youth. And that those DNA changes or whatever creates not a giant scorpion-like creature with a man's face, but just a, a, a man being fragile and having issues, whether it be that his, you know, his, uh, his bones are expanding or so, something other than a monster. Uh, that's the only part that let me down. I, I think the story would have, and the season would be better served if it, what, it didn't just automatically default to monster time. That's really the only knock I have on the story. I really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought that, um, that Martha's character was great. I'm really enjoying her. Um, and David Tennant is the usual David Tennant brilliance, and it's good to see him in a tux again, because I think he, he rocks a tux very well. <laughs> very and, James Bond. Yeah, uh, you know, little little bits of humor about the reverse the polarity and going up to 11. Those were mm-hmm. little enjoyable moments, uh, kind of unlike with the Shakespeare Code, where it almost seemed how many of these little one-liners could we throw at the audience? These two seemed a little more natural. <laughs> they, they seemed, yeah, I know what you mean. They didn't seem forced. They just seemed like they, they, they happened on a very natural basis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, again, Ken, I do agree. I, I, that's why I said I, this, would, this, this storytelling, I thought, would work better in, like, the classic series format of four episodes and kind of fleshed out in that respect. And it had those cliffhangers there, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the whole, you know, just when you thought maybe the, it, the story might change direction when um, you thought he was dead, whatever, and goes, you know, the, the ambulance takes him away, whatever, and um, obviously he's still on the loose and all that. Could have been, you know, a start of another episode. I just hit my microphone, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And, um before I go any further, I just want, I know Tarak has just chimed, I just had connected in, so I'm just going to get him on board as well, and um, then we're going to um, go with, um, with James and continue our discussion. Hey, Tarak. Howdy, guys. Good to, Howdy. To, good to have you back on board with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tarak Natishan is with us live on the talk show, talk cast. Hi, Chuck. Doctor Who thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In case you haven't figured out that yet. So, um, James, what's your uh, initial take? Well, I agree with everything that has been said um, so far. I think this came completely out of left field as well. I completely wasn't expecting an episode of this caliber. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I was on the edge of my seat throughout most of the entire episode for pretty much the entire reasons why you, you've just been talking about. You know, the it did feel like a classic episode of Doctor Who. Um, there were loads of little kind of 
homages, if you will, to the classic series, which I enjoyed. And not that there isn't um, in ordinary episodes or in other episodes of, of the newer series, but this just felt particularly special. And I really liked the fact, I'm going to go against Ken, I'm going to be the Simon Cowell, and say <laughs> I really liked the, the whole monster thing, the monster aspect to Lazarus. And I was somewhat disappointed that he would constantly change backwards and forwards between monster and human. I thought that was clever the once there, but it just kind of seemed like um, it annoyed me a bit when, okay, obviously, if you're listening to this, then spoilers can go completely out of the window. But um, the, the whole scene in the church at the end of the episode, for me, seemed like a complete waste. Technical difficulties have occurred with the hosts of this podcast. Please do not adjust your broadband connection. Thank you. Because I'm really, really interested in that. And obviously, this episode sets up a lot more into that character and people who've been reading stuff on the net about it, about the kind of whole, um, well, the rumors as to uh, whether or not the master is coming back and all that sort of stuff. Technical difficulties have occurred with the hosts of this podcast. Please do not adjust your broadband connection. Thank you. Yeah, I think James is uh, James. If you're hearing us, you're getting cut off for some reason. You, you, you Spoiler lost your James. Taking care of them. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, he's just. I'm laughing because he's not like a. Um, I think it's a Verizon uh, mobile phone ad that we have here. <laughs> Charming. I'm sounding a bit weird, am I? Podcast no, you're just breaking up. By Verizon. <laughs> there, there, My cell phone is roaming. There's a long, <laughs> ongoing commercial here in the U.S. I don't know if it's elsewhere, but where there's a, um, they're testing out the phone, and there's one guy that goes, "Can you hear me now?" And you know, in alternate locations, whatever. Can you hear me now? And yeah. the answer is always no. Just so you know. <laughs> whether it's Verizon, Singular, or whoever you have, it always seems like so, the answer is always no. Are we going to get some money from Verizon for shamelessly plugging them and saying how rubbish But I take it you can hear me now. Yes or no is the case yeah. may be. <laughs> anyway, it's only until you just... start saying something interesting that the, the sound gets cut off. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, it's, got a, yeah. it's got a filter on it, James, so that the anything interesting gets cut off. It's yeah, would, yeah, exactly. Mm. Heaven forbid that our listeners are actually li- uh, interested whilst listening to this podcast. Um, yeah, I've completely lost my train now. That's that's so annoying. Um, what on earth was I talking about? Oh yeah, the whole Saxon thing. I thought that would have been nice. That at that point when. And the doctor first defeats um, Lazarus, so to speak, that it would have been nice for the story to go down a completely different direction and see more into this mysterious Mr. Saxon and learn what exactly what it was that mysterious figure told Martha's mum. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're, they're going to be dragging that out, though, over the course of the season. Well, he's no longer that mysterious. We know his first name now. Yes. I think that there was an opportunity when um, when Lazarus died, and then he, you know, he's resurrected, and a lot of, many biblical overtones throughout the story. 
for him not to turn back into the monster inside the church. I mean, they could have been, they could have kept the human Something element. Something different. Yeah, mm. I, I think, I think in, I, I probably would have less of an issue with the bug-eyed monster um, part of the story if he stayed human and that there was this, um, you know, the, the dialogue between Lazarus and the doctor about World War II and hiding in the church, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that was really good writing. That was and, terrific. Stuff. And they could it was have, worth it for that, but everything else about it, I didn't like that 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 kind of scene. They should um, have been going yeah. down that road, in my opinion, to 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 uh, resolve the story as to his motivations and things. And then he just you know pops back into a bug and and runs around the church for a little while. That was, like I said, that to me was kind of the letdown. If there was any knock on the story, it was that. Those kind of resolutions, and and I think it's only because this this has happened a couple times already this season. Um, you know, to me, the the knock on the Runaway Bride was the monster. Mm. I thought the best parts of the Runaway Bride were was anything the but the last fifteen minutes. The of first it. thirty-five minutes of it before, yeah, the Empress arrives, and it's like, oh, oh, here's the bug guide monster. How do we beat it? Mm. You know, mm. yeah. giant. Giant crab thing, you know, giant scorpion thing. But I, I quite enjoyed that because I thought it was, if I was a kid watching that, I would have been, well, I was actually pretty scared, to be honest. <laughs> but I would have been absolutely petrified. And I think Mary Whitehouse would have had severe problems with this particular episode. It goes without saying because I thought, first off, the special effects were terrific, I thought. Um, I really liked the monster. Um, I know a lot of people on the forums and things didn't like the fact that it had this human face and thought that was weird and dodgy. And um, I didn't have a problem with that. I, th- I, I think one of the best things that I remember about watching Doc 2 as a kid was the fact that it just scared the living daylights out of me. And I... I was that a Bond reference there? <laughs> I thought so. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to say something else, but I, you know, I don't want to offend the listeners out there <laughs> by using four. Turn away. your pants off. <laughs> I, I think it, if I had to, if I had to narrow it down about the monster, I, I'm, perhaps it's the scale of the monster as well. And that, oh, these are things that are encoded in human DNA. Well. Show me a human being that's that large, let's say, or you know, I'm I'm thinking more in terms of Silurians and sea devils, and and over the years, some of the monsters in the Tom Baker era, that yes, it was a human being that mutated, but they stayed at you know five and a half, six feet tall, or what you know, this thing just grows into this monstrous thing, and I think you could make a bad guy or a monster equally as threatening if it's just the size of a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Russell was I think the original. I think the original script had uh, the changes a little more subtle and uh, step by step, but I think they wanted uh, to showcase what the mill could do with their CGI, and that's kind mm. of what then uh, for kind of pushed them into developing this uh, crazy-looking uh, creature to take the place of Lazarus. But then it's, right. it's also taking the uh, the idea of junk DNA to a like a ridiculous point where you could think, oh, everything in the junk DNA is now being 
turned on at once, and what would that do? Well, if they had the budget, I realize I, I understand this was constraint with budgetary matters, but if they had the budget, they could have changed him. Every time he changed into the creature, it could have been a different creature, or it could have morphed into something else. Again, maybe that might be too similar to John Carpenter's The Thing, but uh, I thought that would have been interesting if they did it that way. Yeah, the original script, I think, called for that. But they had to change it, obviously, um, for budget or whatever, or consistency. But wasn't that no, a bit... In... No, they changed it just because that's what Russell T. Davies specifically wanted. Yeah, he had a scene before, and he explained right. it in the confidential this week. Right. But going back to the size thing, um, I thought in the episode, I mean, I've only seen it the once, so I can't really comment on this, and I'm sure it was only mentioned by the doctor briefly in the church, but didn't he mention something about his size, something to do with the fact that it was all this morphological change, this constantly flipping backwards and forwards was putting real strain on him or something? There was, there was some line in there, I think, I can't remember, um, that was referencing that. I can kind of emphasize with what Ken says. I think it was a bit weird how they they did it like that. But I can completely understand the reasons for doing that. Is that you you, you want to scare the crap out of people, really? I guess. And um, <laughs> the CGI was superb, and that's how they wanted to do it. So that's how they did it. I mean, I can uh, appreciate it from an adult perspective that, you know, it would have been, you don't need to have all that, but if you're a small kid and you're watching Doctor Who and you've just got out of your bath on Saturday night or whatever and are ready for bed and that's what you are watching, then you want it to scare scare you. So, I don't know, I guess it, it's kind of a very difficult balance and I think they do do a very good job with it because it's so often that um, they have to please an awful lot of people because it's just got such a big fan base from, you know, people who are two years old to people who are 92 years old. So uh, I guess you can't have everything. Mm. So um, I don't think I'm uh, particularly disappointed by the size or the nature of the beast because um, if you accept that this is all happening within one single Doctor Who universe, then, you know, the Silurians and the Sea Devils are a part of Earth's natural evolution, so it could be but there is some sea devil in us. There is some really strange-looking creatures, you know, that are on a different some evolutionary. Yeah, I mean, there there is something else on a disused branch of the evolutionary tree. If you accept that the sea devils and the Silurians are a part of Earth's history, mm-hmm. I just uh, it it didn't. It didn't work for me. Uh, I'm, I'm perhaps because it it was similar to the monster in the Runaway Bride, and it seems like every time we get to a monster, it's just oversized, and it always seems to be running fast and bursting through doors and chasing us down corridors. And that's traditional Doctor Who. Sure, I just perhaps my expectations in this season are um, just to see a few things that we haven't seen before, maybe handled a little differently, and um, part of the the first. Se- the Christopher Eccleston season had more, um, there was a focus on the human elements and about emotions and things like that. And the strongest parts of this episode were the parts where Mark Gaddis had a chance to, to be Lazarus. And the weakest parts were when the mill got to be Lazarus. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, when I was watching this, I was thinking about the arc and um, the arc in space. I think rather that mm-hmm. when you clarified the arc in space and how things have changed from bubble wrap to CGI. And but <laughs> but, but but within bubble that, wrap was state of the art. Well, you know. Yeah, I believe the monster was well realized for what it was, but they still have an issue with uh, the scales of movement, where the CGI element seems to move so quickly, and then they have to have it stop while the actors run away. Yeah, that is a bit weird, I have to say. You do think, come on, if I was running down that corridor, you'd be complete, with the speed that it's moving at, you'd be mincemeat. There's no way you'd get away from that thing. You know what I mean? Uh, you'd be dead in an instant. It's crazy. Yeah. The complete opposite problem to classic Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. Which is, run slower with the Daleks <laughs> to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> the poor little guy's got to pedal that tricycle faster. Exactly. Flintstone style. Speaking, about, speaking about pedaling Daleks... On uh, mm-hmm. this past week's uh, Totally Doctor Who, they had the first female Dalek operator. Wow. Where well, one, one, of the, uh, one of the kids was doing the challenge, and they actually took a Dalek for a spin. Hmm. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, but I have to say, um, I, I never really took, paid attention to whether it would be a man or a woman. Oh, he got censored out again. <laughs> well, um, going around, continuing with our roundtable format, I'm going to um, take it to Darth and get his his initial impressions of this uh, episode. All right. Uh, well, you know, coming into the episode, uh, I, again, didn't really know anything about it, except that it was, I don't know why I keep noticing who the writers are, but uh, yeah. Stephen Greenhorn. Greenhorn. Uh, weird. Yeah, Stephen Greenhorn. Um Important to me because he was the creator and main writer on Glasgow Kiss, a short-lived series that uh, basically dealt with unrequited, then slightly requited, then again, unrequited love. And so what I was really looking forward to was how he was going to treat the relationship between the Doctor and Martha, which is along similar lines. And Man, I gotta tell you, I was actually very much blown away by the, the relationship aspect of all that. Um, to the extent, and this is stupid, this is absolutely dumb, but knowing full well that Martha is going to be in the rest of the series, in the teaser segment where the doctor leaves, I honestly thought he was leaving. And I started to cry a little bit, which is very sad. But. It, it really engaged me and got me that he would potentially leave. And then at the end, where again, you know, there's the subject of him leaving without her, I thought maybe he actually was going to leave and then maybe we'd see her again some in future time. And I'm, I'm surprised that something so simple worked so effectively on me, but it really did. And the other <laughs> thing that uh, worked very well for me in terms of relationship was the family nature. You know, this is a great family debate. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Here we go again. We've got Jackie all over again, but we do not have Jackie. That has been no. abundantly clear in this mm-hmm. episode. And not only do we not have Jackie, but we have somebody who is intimately connected with the major shark that's going on. 
And, you know, you've got sort of an homage to Willy Wonka in the fact that, you know, some guy is going up and whispering secrets about the doctor into her ear, and I love that part of it. But I love especially that the family is entirely relevant and entirely different to what we thought they were perhaps going to be. Mm-hmm. The brothers and sisters actually appeared to be brothers and sisters this time around. And, you know, very subtle moments of characterization made you believe that they were a part of the same family. Oh, absolutely. And I also think that we're seeing Tish being sort of set up, I just said this on the, on the forum, but we're seeing maybe Tish being set up to be the sub-companion of the season in the same way that maybe Mickey was. Um, and I think she'll return and be on the on the doctor's side of things as opposed to maybe yeah. Leo who might be on his mother's side. Oh, maybe not even maybe not even of this series, next series or something, you know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But there's there's definitely something infinitely more interesting going on with this family than what we got last season, and I I'm entirely glad they're there. Um, yeah, I think they're working very well, and once again, it's a it's a dysfunctional family, but every family is dysfunctional, as far as I know, and I think it works very well, and I think the actors and um, pull it off very well because you really believe in their characters and that they are related, and I I, um, I, I have to give hats off to all of them. Indeed, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, so it, far, so coming, exactly, yeah. I think on the technical side of things, we saw a return to. Rory Taylor as the director of photography, and Rory Taylor is a guy that I associate with my favorite episodes of seasons two and so far three. Um, He largely has been paired up with um, Iris Lynn, which is probably why I like him so much, but um, the the lighting choices that he makes tend to not make things as as glowy and Smallville-ish as, I forget who the other guy is. but it's much more blue, and I was so glad that he was there for uh, uh, an episode which contained so much interior cathedral work, um, because he just made that, all the cathedral stuff, look gorgeous. And it, it's interesting that he's being teamed up with Richard Clark. Um, again, they previously worked on Gridlock, um, because that is looking to be a, as interesting a, a pairing as Eurus and him last season. So very good stuff on the technical side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the production design uh, on this episode was really incredible. I, I, something I was, I was entirely impressed with, with the um, inside Lazarus's office. I, I noticed I, I loved the office and the size and the scope with the elevators and things, and I loved the machine when it fired up and it was – Shaking and twisting and doing all that stuff. I just very impressed with with the, with the overall production design. And, and I mean that's part of the course. I I don't think there's ever been a Doctor Who episode over the last two and a half seasons that I haven't thought you know was up to snuff. But uh, this one really uh, was was very impressive. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and once again the lighting. I like. I enjoyed the lighting. It was very well lit. Very um, lots of warm lights lighting up the, um, the interiors. and um, I also want to make a mention to uh, Murray Gold's music. I, I was mm. pronounced here as well, and I was hearing themes being repeated throughout the episode, and um, I enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Uh, there was props one... To... Key... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, complete props to Murray as ever, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Go on, sorry, man. There was, there was one tiny little moment with the musical score that took me out of the episode, probably the only moment that I was taken out of the episode, and that's when the doctor and Martha pass by the uh, cellist and the violinist that are playing at yeah. the uh, function, and then it made it seem as though they were playing Martha's, Martha's theme, and I was like, that's really weird. <laughs> I didn't notice that, I have to say. But, but it, it, look, when you see it again, you know, try to look out for it, and you'll be like, that is kind of weird timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I, I know the thing you're talking about, but I, I didn't get that feeling myself. Oh. Mm. But I'll, I'll take note next time. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, um, if we can continue the, the roundtable format here, I'm going to go to uh, Mike and his impressions on his initial impressions on the story? I think uh, there's a lot to like in, uh, in this episode. Um, and it was, it was nice. Uh, we didn't really know too much about it coming in, so uh, just a few clips in the trailer. So not, not as has been said, not high expectations, not low expectations, just not really knowing. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some, some nice stuff, some great character bits. Uh, nice to see... Um, I know some people don't like the family, uh, the family aspect to it, but the family does a lot to inform us about Martha, and I enjoyed that. And they're, they're very much kept in the background, even though they're there through the whole episode. They don't, they don't do too much. Yeah, um, they're not invasive. Yeah, exactly, James. And uh, and as uh, I guess uh, somewhat from thinking has been said, just some wonderful set design and production design, and uh, the music. Some, some, there's some bits in the music there where it's, uh, I feel bits in this score for this episode that are foreboding towards later in the series. It's little mm-hmm. bits that I think, music that I think I'm going to hear again in, uh, I don't know, maybe six weeks' time. Um, and something that hasn't been mentioned, the grading, sort of goes with the, 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 about the DOP, but the, the episode, the, the, whole, the whole color tone was, was very pleasing. I, I can't think of a better word for it. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I get to the monster, uh, not surprisingly, I, I may be a little less impressed. I think I think they did a great job realizing the creature. I have no no real no no grievances, but kind of like as, as Ken was saying, I, I question in a way the need to go for uh, the big monster that's then going to have to drive the story once you've put your lot in to to, to, to you know, you've invested the funds in in making this creature. It's going to be what drives the, the plot. And, and that's unfortunate. I think mm. here's, some people used to say that Doctor Who needed to have low production values, and I never agreed with that. But Doctor Who, I think when you put money into it, it needs to support uh, the script as best as possible. I think here we've got a situation where they've created this creature, and the creature actually drove the script. Uh, I don't know a lot about earlier drafts of the script. Uh, Terrence has mentioned, mentioned a few things. I think... I think the the store the overall part of the story ended up taking shape around the monster that they designed instead of the other way around, and I think that's odd for Doctor Who and not a recipe for success when it comes to Doctor Who. Uh, great effects, it's fantastic to have great effects, but effects shouldn't drive the writing, uh, mm-hmm. not 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 to that extent at least. Uh, so I think I got a little bored with the monster. Uh, even though it, it looks great, I, I didn't think the face looked particularly like Margatus. Um, but you know, it's it, it's nice, it's flashy. I don't know if it's necessarily that scary. Uh, there's, there's a need to scare the kids. Uh, true, uh, I, I wouldn't dispute that. But I think 
I don't know if anything has scared the kids as much as uh, the gas mask kid from uh, two years ago. And well, that's <laughs> true, exactly. Yeah. You can be very subtle, yeah. but um, there needs to be that threat there, I think. And I mean, it, you can't always have that sort of deep psychological humor there all the time. Um, I think it is nice occasionally to have something that's big and scary and frightening um, in the physical sense rather than just in the, ooh, that is really creepy kind of sense, if you know what I mean. Um, I think uh, they redid the review, the little kids, uh, every week, don't they? And I think this got the highest rating, like a fear factor of five or something. But I agree that it was distracting from the rest of what was a very brilliant story. And and, and, and it was... um, I found myself exactly the same way. I found myself bored when they were just running from it. I was like, okay, let's get back to hearing the doctor or Mark Gaddis or, or you know, just hearing them talk, just hearing the dialogue, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But that's a classic Doctor Who, a quarter chase. <laughs> yes. Or a chase in a quarry, yeah. Well, now in New Doctor Who, it's, it's, it's a lot of up and down chases, and we had that again here with the, you know, in the cathedral, and um, nothing wrong yeah, with that. Just that, that downstairs. Common... I'm a little yeah. surprised about the sort of what you might look at as the, the, the third part of the third act, the third, I guess the last 15 minutes or so between yeah. uh, whether, the idea of whether or not it would have been good to have been done away with Lazarus and move into a secondary plot which I really yeah. thought was going to happen. I did too yeah. when I was watching it. I was or, really surprised. It was like, oh, come on. We killed him already. Get on with it. <laughs> on the other hand, I thought the, that the cathedral looked great, and I thought the way of defeating the monster was incredibly classic Doctor Who. Yes. Um, mm. Defeating the monster with the organ was a very you know, kind of Tom Baker-ish kind of... And what, mm-hmm. your, uh, what is classic uh, Doctor Who is that it's... Um, that no one had to kill the monster. The monster just fell to his death. So there was no act of violence that killed the monster. It was... It yeah, was he really, fell himself. He fell. It, wasn't, uh, yeah. it wasn't the doctor that killed him. He just uh, was kind of a catalyst for that. Or, you know, he didn't get a big gun and shoot it. He, right. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and those I'd are be- very traditional Doctor Who elements. Yeah, so I think I'd have been happy either way that it went there. Uh, at that, that the 30-minute mark, it can take go left and go right. I, I think I, I would have been happy either way. Maybe in the that middle, the middle 15 minutes, I would have liked more, more. You know, it doesn't have to be more creepiness, but certainly you could have been just as creepy with putting a little more character, more Mark Gatiss. I think Mark Gatiss's old Lazarus in particular was was fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, and, mm. and do more with that. That would have pleased me more than. You know, hey, you know what? We've got, you know, we've got whatever, you know, six weeks invested in designing this creature. Uh, we got to maximize it. And yeah. And really yeah. get the impression that was the the driving force going at, you know, I guess from the tone meeting on to use the monster as much as possible since yeah. we're, we're putting the money into it. Did anybody else well, think that they were going to address regeneration in some way when he was talking about um, defying age and mm-hmm. how it doesn't I, work? I, I, I really thought they were going to go there, and then it just—it was completely. I thought they ignored. did. I thought it was subtle, yeah, they, and I thought it was—I thought people got it, and I thought that was because that was the yeah. whole thing. That was what I was excited about because it was obvious that this whole clearly somebody who is investing all this money to fund well, this Mister Saxon gentleman who's investing all this money to fund Lazarus and the experiment is clearly um, 
really interested in regeneration. And yeah. anybody who knows anything about the history of Doctor Who and the rumours that are floating out there on the net and everything else will know precisely how that fits into the story arc and how mm-hmm. um, that's just... You just know that's just so exciting as a Doctor Who fan. And not only is he, like... He, he clearly is, is funding it with an interest to, for it to happen to him. Um, you know, maybe not in, in, in that way to turn out to be a monster, but obviously um, that's what he, he was looking at. I, I don't know, what did everybody else think? Because I thought it was nice how it was subtle and it wasn't in your face. And I have the feeling that these themes are going to be um, uh, recovered later on in the series, I, I think. Uh, well, maybe in yeah, maybe more depth the than Ken would like. about living as long doesn't mean, you know, and seeing all your loved ones pass as easy as you continue on echoes back to school reunion and what he said to Rose. And, um, I thought that was a nice, you know, tying it all together and, and, and talking about how, you know, living a very, you know, living longer doesn't necessarily mean better. In, in more ways than one, I think this is the long game of series three. I think that I actually think the feel of the episode is very similar in terms of my, uh, my appreciation of it. And the feeling is very similar to the long game. But I think the, right in the middle of the season, the, the themes that it portrays and how they will flesh out over the whole series. The series also following a Dalek story. Mm. Taras, we haven't heard from you as far as your, um, your initial reaction to this story. I wasn't really expecting as good an episode as this turned out to be. The, the script was very excellent, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and uh, the production values were just top-notch. With the exception of uh, the few things that I already mentioned about the monster, this was one of the most enjoyable episodes of the series so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been on a par with Gridlock. Uh, Gridlock was my favorite before this, and I think this probably would be my second favorite even, if not my favorite. So mm-hmm. I agree. I didn't find myself liking this one more than I liked Gridlock, though. I, I still there's something about that story that, that I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was. It's hard because when you've not seen the entire series, you can't really say, "Oh, this is my favorite." But you can say, "This is my favorite so far," or "This is the one I enjoyed so far." And and that's why I'm kind of umming and ahhing. I can't really decide which is my favorite so far. But they both were very good. I guess in both episodes, as Taras has said, the, the the production values were just superb and very very cleverly done. And you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, but what else did you think about it, Taras, mate? Other than that, that's kind of like the uh, the main things that, other than the stuff we've already covered, mm-hmm. that was like the main uh, feelings that I get from watching it the first time. Yeah. I, I thought the pacing was really done well. I, I, I can speak for myself that when this episode came to an end, I just couldn't believe how how, how you know, Time just flew by so quickly. I was. It did, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then, the, of course, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, oh, I was going to say, I was um, uh, saying that. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I thought Mark Gaddis is outstanding. I, I've always um, advocated his work and his involvement in in the, in the series as well. And uh, I, I was mm-hmm. sort of surprised, you know, him, you know, when he was first announced that he was playing a character that. You know, I, I always envisioned him holding out to play the Doctor himself, and I still think he would make a great uh, possible actor to play the, the title role. If that, and I guess it's still not, um, you can't rule it out completely because, after all, Colin Baker was in the series playing sort of a, 
heavy-ish type of role, and he, <laughs> he became a doctor as well. So, But I, I think Mark Addis did a great job playing the various roles that he had to play here. Well, I also thought the whole... Um, the, the fact that it was taking place in um, the Lazarus, um, I don't know what it was, the, the, wherever it was taking place, it was a, a very top posh, um, you know, a black tie posh affair. And it had echoes to me of the Paul McGann movie, you know, where with the atomic clock. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it had a very familiar feeling with that. And I was expecting, um, you know, to them to, and again, even in that story, even though it was, a Rus- it was not a Russell T. Davies story, it had that up and down chase, you know, with the fire hose coming down and all that. So it, it had that similar feel to it. And um, so that was sort of like a um, comforting factor. And then, and, and, and speaking of that, of the Lazarus um, um, lab, th- that whole um, scene where they go in, where Martha and the doctor uh, escape the creature, the Lazarus creature, by going into the, um, the chamber, if you will, and then he turns it on and it starts whirling and swirling and said, oh, well, now is like Paul McGann going to step out of the chamber? Is he going to um, regress to a younger doctor? And that, <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> <well>. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually, um, Dave has just mentioned in the TalkShoe uh, message chat here that it, the building used for the Lazarus Lab thing, the big swanky thing, was actually the Welsh Parliament building, which is something that um, I wasn't um, aware of at all. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mentioned that, the that in the confidential. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was talking over you. I... They mentioned that in the confidential that uh, it was the Welsh yeah. Parliament right. building. Oh, okay. Well, was that also the building that was, uh, there was a model building in uh, Lazarus' office? Was that the, bu- the same building? Oh, that was the cathedral. That was the church, wasn't it? Oh, that was the, ca- oh, yes, all right. Okay. The cathedral or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah which I thought was kind of cool because it, it referenced itself lots and you couldn't really forget that because he, he kind of mentioned it all throughout the, um, which is, was a nice progression and how the pacing really mm-hmm. worked uh, nicely, I thought. Um, but one thing I would, because I need to go shortly, gentlemen, but um, one thing I would like to bring up, which I thought was interesting as well, which I, I don't think we've, we've covered, is um, what I really liked is the, the scene with Tish and uh, Lazarus where obviously he's, she's bringing him something and I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think the guest list or something. And, uh, you know, he says very creepily, uh, you smell lovely, what's that perfume? And, of course, she just says soap. Um, I thought it was really interesting how he's still, he's a complete and utter creep, this guy, this Lazarus, is as slimy as, as anything. And I think it was really interesting how, as an old guy, Tish found him absolutely repugnant. But after the change and after he'd regenerated, mm-hmm. if you will, I think that he was still a complete and utter creep, but yet she was attracted to him because yeah. he was so much younger. And I think that's so interesting. And I, I thought that was really clever. And as a side, I mean, still I, was this smarmy old guy, but, yeah. you know. I was thinking it, the same thing. And yeah, the, reinforcement, the, the reinforcement of his creepiness was when uh, he was speaking with his partner and he said, I wouldn't waste another lifetime on you. Yeah. Yeah. That was like just just a stab in the back and the heart at the same time. And he also said said something like that. I wouldn't, 
it, it, was, it wasn't his exact line, I wouldn't waste another time, another lifetime on you, my love, or something like that, which yes. is just like a complete ironic statement in the first place. It's like, <laughs> insert dagger and twist. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you could see that she was just like, well, her heart wasn't breaking, but she clearly was uh, was shocked, and maybe she knew all along that he didn't really... Uh, love her or that, that 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 she was purely into this for profit but um it was clear that uh, she still was uh was very hurt by what he said and sh- shocked almost in a way and that uh he she realized that he didn't need her anymore um and that she was very dispensable and uh that was nicely echoed with tish as well i just thought that was something that was an interesting uh nice little um oh, she asked for Yeah, 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 little social commentary, exactly. But anyway, gentlemen, I um, if that's okay with everybody else, I'm going to give my kind of summary and 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 rating, if that's okay, of the episode. And before I I disembark, sadly, I would love to stay, but um, sadly, I'm coming to the end of my master's degree, and so have to uh, tie everything Mm -hmm. together and whatnot. So um, that's taking most of my time. I am usually referred to as the master. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I, yeah, David just nicely said, you're the master, James. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode, and as I've said, I think it's very difficult for me to to decide whether I like Gridlock the most or this the most. The, clearly, those two so far have been my favourite, and I thought this was a a much bigger high for me than last week's episode. I mean... Um, I watched last week's episode with my girlfriend and she kept noticing that I was looking at my watch all the time and mm-hmm. said, you know, that's never a good sign. And this episode, aside from what we've talked about with that kind of little last 15 minutes, you know, it just flew by. I couldn't believe it went so quick. I was just enjoying it so much. Um, there were just so many nice little parts about this episode and, Particularly the scripts, I think, all have been superb. It's just been very... I think a lot of the, the stories have been very ambitious and, and very difficult for them to be realised on screen. But I think they've so far so good. They've been doing a really terrific job with it. Um, so I'm going to give this a very high rating because I really enjoyed it and it was almost like classic Who in a way. So I'm going to give this four and a half out of five, the TARDIS grounds. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm deducting half a point is just because I was a little bit disappointed, as I've mentioned, the last 15 minutes when it took a different twist um, rather than uh, I, I, I would have liked to have gone in a different direction. But I thought the way in which the Doctor defeated Lazarus was very cool and very uh, classic Doctor Who. Um, but it would have been nicer for the Doctor to, to have defeated him in that way originally um, then see him go off in the ambulance and then something else would have happened and some more character development there or, or something that kind of leads into more of the story arc. Um, but it's also been quite nice that the whole Saxon thing hasn't been as invasive, I think, as, as Torchwood was um, last series where it's mentioned mm-hmm. in every single episode. It's been very subtle, I think. And Especially it's very that, nice. That just seems to be heading towards... Uh, heading towards an actual story arc where Torchwood seemed to be intrusive and that you just had to find a way to mention it when quite exactly. honestly it, 
it didn't really materialize into needing to be mentioned in every story. Exactly. This actually and I think looks like it actually may materialize into something better. But I don't know whether that's different because obviously the Beeb at the time was also had Torchwood the series in production and wanted to also plug that heavily in kind of on Doctor Who and get people excited about it. Um, but not, nevertheless, I think so far so good. I've been really enjoying it and um, even my girlfriend didn't, didn't pick up on the whole um, Saxon thing yet. So that's good when that's the case, if it's subtle and it's... Uh, the, the story arc is kind of embedded within uh, the story as a whole and isn't in your face. So four and a half um, for me, I think, Tardis Crown is very, very good. And looking forward to the rest of the series uh, after Blooming Eurovision next week. The, the, the trailer just at the end, the coming soon, was just amazing. Yeah. And I've, I can, <laughs> I've watched that so many times now, and Thank every you. time I do, I'm just... <laughs> So excited about it, and I think we could have a whole blooming podcast about that, to be honest, about the trailer <laughs> itself. Maybe that's what we can talk about next week. Mm. But uh, for, the, for the time being, gentlemen, I thank you all, of course. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't have stayed the distance. Yeah, but, thank you, uh, James. Next week. Bye, James. Okay. So, Here, James. Take care. Always Bye, a James. pleasure. Cheers. Have a good one, gents. Bye for now. Now, to elaborate on what James had mentioned about the uh, the episode and the uh, premature seeming that the episode was ended in the last two episodes, I felt that as well, whereas in the Dalek episode, I'm like, all right, the doctor's up on the Empire State Building. This thing's going to be over. Wait a minute. It's not time yet. While with this episode, it was like, this can't be over yet. Yeah. It just worked a lot better in this episode, I think. Yeah. I, I also think when I always I mentioned about breaking the pattern, um, I, for, for once I would like to see them prematurely end an episode and then take it in a different direction, utilize that time for another, for another reason. And that's kind of what James alluded to about, okay, Lazarus died, and maybe they're going to... Uh, use the extra time to develop this whole mysterious, you know, what message did yeah. uh, Martha's mother which, get? Which I thought and, was going to happen at that point, you know. Yeah. And, and I would like to see that. I, I think that, uh, again, that, that, that's a throwback to the classic series, in that sometimes you, you would do something else in the story simply because you had the time or because it helps develop uh, it helps the development of the of a character or the show or a story arc, and um, I well, we kind of, we kind of had that in Doomsday, mm -hmm. but it wasn't as as long of a time period. Yes, mm. I, I I wouldn't deduct points from the episode for not doing it because again, creatively they chose to do something a particular way. I just. From a from an overall um, review of the season, and, and we've you know past podcasts have mentioned let's let's break the patterns because patterns are what uh, what what is the downfall of a show to to keep a formula. Doctor Who's never been formula, and the way to do that is to take a story like we just had and throw a curveball in there. Mm -hmm. 
so um, since um, James had already give his, gave his um, TARDIS groans, Ken, what would you do? What would you give it uh, rather? I give it four out of five TARDIS groans. My main deduction for it being the kind of story that I just go crazy for is I just really done, the monster just didn't do it for me. I, I, I think there were, there were opportunities missed to make mm-hmm. this more of the human element. And that's what Russell C. Davies has talked about since the start is, it, you know, there's always about human beings and their emotions and their reaction to things. And um, I, I understand it's still a family show and there's a certain amount of bug-eyed monsters that are required, but I just, uh, you know, the fact that they, they were saying how the mill got a chance to show off the monster, that, that pretty much says it all. You know, mm-hmm. why, is, why does the, the mill need to show off the monster? Legendary movie makers, have, uh, special effects artists have always said the, the biggest compliment is when someone doesn't notice your work. It means the special effects got pulled off and, oh. and you believed something was real. And that's not the case when you make a giant scorpion creature with a man's face. Yeah, when they uh, interviewed the, the person from the mill, I forget his name, on Confidential, the creature that they were most proud of was the werewolf from Tooth and Claw. Mm-hmm. To me, the most impressive special effects were in The Empty Child and Dr. Dance. Dr. Dance is when you don't realize they're special effects, when it's real things that are being created, uh, a, a barrage balloon or a, you know, a gas mask creature or something, when you believe it's real, those are the best special effects. And every mm-hmm. doctor has those in, uh, in, in terms of matte paintings and green screen. I'm, I'm agreeing with you here, Ken. Uh, the the shot of uh, Lazarus and Trish up on the roof, looking at the, the, the you know looking out at London, mm-hmm. which of course they're standing on a roof in Cardiff, uh, and all that get painted in later. That's far more impressive than that's if that yeah, was a in roof. terms of its subtlety. Yeah, they were and on a roof, but they weren't looking at St Paul's and and Southwark Cathedral. Those those are great special effects because they went up to a roof, and you and I believed they were on a roof. Exactly. <laughs> that's a great special effect. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, matte paintings, uh, they're so-called. I gave it four mm-hmm. out of five artist groans, and, uh, and I, I, I enjoyed it. I still think Gridlock's probably my favorite so far. And I have to say that I like having a week off. I know everybody's anxious to see the next episode, and the teaser trailer was incredible. But what I like is that we wait all year to see 13 episodes. To have a little gap between there to digest what we've seen is not too bad mm-hmm. because yeah. well, we, have a, we have a chance to go back and rewatch a few episodes and yeah. digest what we've seen and the anticipation builds and the fun of being a Doctor Who fan is that anticipation. No, I agree. So it's not like we have to wait four years. We're only waiting an extra week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the extra week to go back and watch everything again and and, and and enjoy it. And um, we're so far behind it post-production work, so I'm yeah. not complaining either. <laughs> and Lewis yeah, and Lewis will be about, producing all the episodes. As, as Lewis and I have talked about on many occasions as, as long-time Star Wars fans, we've always felt that the second viewing of, of something is, is sometimes better than the first. Because on the first viewing, you're trying to... You're trying to... Absorb um, it all. Absorb it all. The second one, not, you know not where to be you confused are. with Zabalos. 
In the second viewing, you, you already know where you are. You already know what's coming. You can just simply enjoy a performance or enjoy, you know, just taking it in for, for sheer enjoyment's sake. On the first one, there's almost this need to, I have to watch this. I have to see everything. I have to know what's coming up next. On the second one, it's like, well, I know what's coming up next, and boy, wasn't the doctor great. Or, you know, boy, isn't Martha really funny in this part or something. It is, there's other things to be appreciated on the second viewing. Mm-hmm. And so you can I'm catch things that you might have missed the first time around, too. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure next week's uh, podcast, it'll be like, wow, I, you know, I rewatched this one, or I watched this one again, or I watched this one five times or something. And, and then you start to, to really digest it, and then you can move to the next half of the season by that point. Yeah. Uh, well, gentlemen, I'm going to have to be signing off soon as well, so uh, I'm going to chime in and uh, say that this was one of my favorite episodes of the series so far. It was very well uh, paced, very well produced, and uh, I would just rate it as an excellent overall. Mm-hmm. Very good. And I'm off to a video meet now, so I'll uh, catch up with you guys uh, sometime later. Okay, well, thank you again, Charaz. I realized um, you, originally you said you were going to be able to make it to this uh, recording, so I'm glad you were able to find the time and um, do it via the road and chime in. Well, you're welcome, and goodbye. <laughs> Take care. Take it easy. Okay, bye. Thanks, Charaz. So, um, Mr. Darth Skeptical. Good Lord. You know, I think I'm going to take a page out of Charaz's book and uh, not actually give this one a... a numerical rating, and instead say that uh, along with Girl in the Fireplace, it's tied for second place in the category Best David Tennant Episode Ever, uh, second really only to Tooth and Claw, which I still think is the best episode of modern Doctor Who. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it was also the best story set in modern day. Um, it's the best so far of Series 3, though the trailer does give one hope that there's going to be better out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's by far the best use of Mark Gatiss in this era of Doctor Who. Um, I, I think he works better as an actor than as a writer. Overall, really, really high marks um, in many different categories for me. Um, and, and just a, a terribly enjoyable story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Mike, I don't think we heard your no. overall um, rating on this. Yeah, I don't want to... I'm afraid I'm going to end up sounding like a killjoy here because I don't think it's <laughs> anybody else, although uh, I have you know, no major complaints about the episode. I sort of mentioned... Uh, oh, I you know, thought things might have worked a little better for my preferences uh, if they're a bit different. Um, to me, this is an episode that was just, it, it's kind of there. It's, uh, I compared it to the long game. It's probably a bit better than the long game or, or in fact, to, uh, the Margatus episodes from the last two years, uh, in terms of style, but sort of somewhere in the middle, they're not the episodes that I have any problems with, not the episodes I love either. Um, I liked a lot of bits, loved seeing Thelma Barlow, uh, Mavis from Coronation Street on Doctor Who. That was pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. but in terms of a number, uh, again, I size it up against the other episodes this series. Um, now I'm looking at a three, three and a half out of five, uh, depending. I think I was going to give it a three. Actually, after talking with all you guys, I feel better about the episode. So I'm <laughs> sort of bumping it up to a three and a half. 
for me, not as good as uh, Shakespeare Code or Smith and Jones, kind of like uh, right on there with Gridlock, uh, but Light Years better than the Dalek episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. where I'll put it. Uh, you know, I, I I enjoyed it. It was a fun 43 minutes, and uh, I although I have to say that uh, I did say right at the end of watching the the file, the best minute was the last minute, and that was the trailer. So. Oh uh, yeah, well. The, the, the trailer, <laughs> I think I'm we all came over with a wow after the tra- seeing that trailer. I'm psyched up, and I think that the extra week is just going to make it that much bigger when we go into the, the second half of the series. Mm-hmm. The next episode is 42? Right. Yes. So it's on deck for two weeks? Okay. Which is, of course, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And everything. Hopefully... So, this isn't a bad thing, but it's also the Chris Chibnall episode. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> so, I'm going to echo pretty much um, what everyone else has, has already said, and I'm giving it four TARDIS groans out of five. And, um, again, I just to kind of recap on things, I, the reason why it's only a four is only because, I, again, similar to what Ken had mentioned, I don't know if, if less monster would have been... Um, work better, but I think more character would have worked better, more story. In other words, if they had just had more time to kind of explore and um, and flesh it out more uh, with more scenes with Mark Addis, more scenes maybe with, with, with her family, with Martha's family. Um, I, I thought the family did work. I, I think her mother, I don't know her first name, but her mother's character works very, very well. I, I think it's very much different than Jackie, and um, but still very real and um, very believable. Uh, I think the pacing was amazing. Like I said, I, I couldn't when this episode was over. I was like, "Whoa, that was that couldn't have been the, the, the whole episode." And, uh, you know, it just flew by, and um, so I really did enjoy it. Um, I went into it without really any expectations, and um, maybe that played a part in it as well. Again, Mark Gaddis, I think, did an exceptional job. So I, I really did enjoy it, but. Um, I did wish it had more time to flesh itself out, and I think it would have worked better as a multi-part story, perhaps, or or a longer if they were able to give it more time, you know, and flesh things out more. So yeah, that's where where I stand now. I'm, there's Dave is waiting in the wings with um, in the queues. Anyone else that like to uh, give their comments on this story, please put yourself in the queue, and we're going to go to our. Um, you know, we're going to do our feedback portion of the show now and hear what everyone else has to say about this story. And um, even if you, you know, as Mike had mentioned before, he felt like he didn't want to be a killjoy. Um, with Doctor Who, you shouldn't really feel that way. Um, every, everyone's subjective on how they view any particular Doctor Who story. There are people that may love the creature from the pit and others that don't. And, it, you know, it's all good in the end, you know. Um, so, you know, and, and as Mike and I could go dueling with Love and Monsters, it's, 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 my opinion, it's no more valid than his and vice versa. So it's, it's, it's all, you know, like I said, it's all good. And I, we're gonna... I, I, I enjoy when, when someone has an opposing opinion because I like to hear their reasons for it. Well, same here. That's why I, I, I've always said that too in the past as well, that I, you know, you get if we're, if we're all exactly like-minded, then okay, we can just be talking to ourselves. You know, so it's always good to hear other people's take and um, you know, and and get a different perspective on things. And, Until James mentioned that that this regeneration 
this this, uh, this machine um, was being funded by Mr. Saxon, and that there's some foreshadowing, you know, for the series, uh, the season finale. I hadn't really it hadn't really dawned on me. I was like, wow, you know, and that's again that comes from our discussions. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to when I rewatch the episode over, you know, whether it be tomorrow or the next day there'll be something new to look at because of that. I'll be like, oh, it'll be in the back of my mind. That's why we do this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, let's get to our feedback section, and we have Dave waiting in the wings. And again, anyone else that would like to chime in, please put yourself in the queue, and we'll get to you. So first one up here is Dave. Hi, Liz. Hi, everyone. Um, It's not going to sound very cogent the way I talk tonight because I've made lots of different notes from uh, various things said during uh, the last hour. So, um, Mark Gattis, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. The uh, the way he did the old man, the, the speech, the mannerisms, uh, the whole persona that he brought on the screen uh, really looked the part. Although I did think the makeup made him look more like 86. I thought so too. I- I, I agree. I, I felt that way, t- too. I thought um, the makeup was so good. In fact, you know, I, just coincidentally, I was just watching uh, a classic Star Trek episode, The Deadly Years, this past week. And oh, just to yes. see how things have changed in makeup design. Now, I mean, the, the Deadly Years back in 1968 or 67, I forget what year that was made, um, was, you know, um, top of the line special effects work for television. Uh, not special effects, but makeup effect work for television was outstanding for that time period. And um, and now, <laughs> now Doctor Who is, um, you know, well, it, it's now 2007, so it's 40 years later. So, but it's just incredible what they did. But he did, he did look more like 86 than 76. I do agree. Yeah, that, I, I thought that, yeah. Um, but uh, some other points. Martha, again, I thought this was a much better episode for her. She uh, seemed to be just pining for the Doctor the last couple of episodes. Here, a little bit like um, in Gridlock, she was um, the one that was trying to help the Doctor out, and she was brave. She went back in. She helped get the uh, the, the families and people out of the building. Uh, and so her, she was becoming more of a partner to him, and I think that was echoed right in the last minute or so when she said she'd go back in the TARDIS, but... Uh, on slightly different terms, you know, not just mm-hmm. on a, a one-by-one, you know, if you behave, you can have another trip, you behave, you can have another trip, but she wanted to come and join him uh, as, a, as a, a full companion. Um, as I say, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit with these points. Um, in fact, the whole episode really was a surprise because we, we hadn't seen too much of it. Um, mm-hmm. Back to Mark Gattis again, I know I'm jumping about, I thought he played it more creepy than scary. I mean, the way he, um, he was touching the, the young girl's, uh, Martha's sister's hands after he inquired about her perfume and um, the, the, the way he came back into the hall after consuming his old uh, wife or mistress or whatever she was, partner, uh, the first thing he made a beeline for her to take her back up onto the roof. I also agree with Ken about the actual monster, the the size issue. There didn't seem to be any reason why we should change to such a large size. But I do have a theory about the actual makeup of the monster. Um, I don't know whether you have this in America, but to me, it looks like that's going to be what's called an airfix monster. Uh, It looks a little bit like the bones of a dinosaur, where 
some magazine that's going to come out, not Doctor Who Adventures, but Doctor Who Models or something, and they're going to get a piece of that monster uh, stuck to the front of the magazine each week until they can build it. Because if you notice mm. the shoulders, the arms, the legs, the tail, the uh, the sting on the end, they all look very much like me to uh, like a build-it-yourself monster uh, in 24 parts by the magazine. Hmm. Maybe a bit cynical, but that, that's the way I saw the monster. Um, so, yes, excellent. I thought it was really back to good old Doctor Who storytelling. The time flew. I think you've actually made the comment that it was a slightly shorter episode, but it seemed a very much shorter episode watching yeah. it. And mm-hmm. um, altogether, all excellent. I've got lots to say about the trailer, but I think if we do manage to have a, um, a meet next week, there's lots to talk about there. Absolutely lots of little hints thrown in. So just finish off quickly, um, four and a half Tardy Scrolls, I would say. And uh, other than that, you know, a, a really good mid-season episode. It's marked, I hope, the, the midpoint in the whole series. And if that trade is anything to go by, the next few episodes are going to be the best of the series. It's really getting exciting, and I'm really looking forward to, sorry, two weeks' time. So, mm. back to you, Lewis. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Outstanding um, recap and review. Um, appreciate your perspective, as always. Well, it's That's interesting. Fine, he, he makes a good point about perhaps the monster was designed as such to sell something else, and, and that I suppose we could do an entire episode on marketing and, and modern marketing techniques. It's like, well, it doesn't benefit the story well, but it benefits merchandising well. And um, that's something that, that in the Star Wars trilogy has been criticized over the years, and, and, and I've, I'm fearful of, of Doctor Who taking the same path where something is yeah, think, put on screen just to sell the toy. I think we said back to one of the confidentials about the Judoon, uh, originally, they weren't going to be the Jadoon, but um, uh, Davis uh, came up with them, and so that's a nice little learner on the side for him. Mm. Again, <laughs> cynical, I know. Come well, on, it, it seems like in the queue. It seems like um, it was really just there to scare the, as, as James would say, you know, scare the pants off the kids and, um, you know, the, the younger viewers and... Um, it could have just as easily been done in, in, in a less aggressive way as far, or a less elaborate way by having it more in a human form. Like you could have Mark Gaddis um, maybe start deforming and still being, you know, and, and the creature could be played by Mark Gaddis throughout the whole episode and still have that, those chase sequences, but, you know, without going all out or, or maybe see a CGI enhanced on top of Mark Gaddis, um, you know, doing something in that respect and still have the same, storytelling and same momentum but it's it seems like um it seems like ever since doctor who has come back in 2005 to today it, it seems like it's it's gone out of its way to kind of scare people and and be you know the whole you know behind the sofa putting the the children behind the sofa type of deal where i think in the past it it did that as well but not it didn't go out of its way to do it sort of um through Happen- storytelling yeah, through the storytelling, the process of telling the story, things were scary or, or, or frightening, and so be it. But, uh, you know, of course, they were limited by 
budgetary concerns as well. But I, I don't think they set out to, oh, how are we going to scare? You know, I don't think that there was a fear factor back then. And maybe there was. I don't know. I don't know if, if they would judge just, Go ahead, Dave. Just two, two last things that I forgot to mention. One was um, it was nice with the, the doctor using his sonic uh, screwdriver so much to actually, actually have a sonic foe this time. And secondly, I don't know whether anybody's already commented on it, but the, the scene in the ambulance uh, reminded me of a scene from Silence of the Lambs, where the, uh, the chap's in the uh, thing and, and he, he bites the, the prison guards or whatever yeah. and escapes that way. That's all I wanted to add in. I'm fine now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you again, Dave. We have um, someone else waiting in the queue now. Uh, DM Whaling? Whaling? Hello, DM Welling. Am I pronouncing it wrong? <laughs> a lot of people pronounce it wrong, but it is really just the way it's spelled. Um, actually, my name is Diane. Hi, Diane. If that helps. Hi. <laughs> and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Sarasota, Florida. Okay. Oh, cool. must be nice there. <laughs> yes, it's really it's getting hot, and we're thinking we're gonna start turning the air on now. Um, but uh, I just want to say that I really enjoyed this episode. Um, different reasons, mainly because it was so much better than last week's, um, mm -hmm. and also because of what you said before about not having any um, expectations about it. You only had the, the bare bones of what the, the plot was about, and, uh, you know, so everything was a surprise. Uh, it's, it's getting harder and harder these days to not, excuse me, get down, to not... Um, Spoil yourself. There's just so many different venues that you can yeah. get too much information. And uh, it was a big effort last week to not look at the, the Times cover. Uh, I'm sorry, I just saw Dave's comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was nice to not be spoiled and to not have any expectations, and it was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, and I do agree with the comments about the monster. In fact, that's when I was watching the episode, that's what I was thinking. Um, when he was, Mark Davis was in the scene with the older woman and they were sniping at each other. And I just thought, well, it'd be fun to have it be, you know, a completely human alien to the whole thing and not have to resort to the CGI stuff. Because, you know, I'm, I know it doesn't, I don't agree with other people, but I thought uh, Tooth and Claw was the weakest episode last season because it was a CGI monster. And it was very well done, but, you know, it was a little boring. And I would have I preferred to see him maybe transform more slowly mm -hmm. and then have to struggle to hide what was changing, you know, yeah. maybe the thing that sucked the life force was, you know, the end of his arm, and then he started wearing gloves, and, you mm -hmm. know, and had to, to, you know, put something else on to, to hide it, you know, before, you know, just giving in and, and going on a killing or, spree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but otherwise, it was a very good episode, and I'd, I'd give it at least four out of five. It, uh, it wasn't as good as Gridlock, which so far has been my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine too. I, I, everything in that episode seemed to work well for me. And, and this one, like I said, nothing particularly wrong. I mean, I, I didn't really agree with the monster, but nothing particularly wrong about the episode. I just no. liked something a little bit better. And like everyone said, you know, it's just they got to have the monster to scare the little kids, and that's what I thought when I was watching it. But I would have liked to seen it been a little bit more uh, psychological. 
but you know, they're limited to what they can do in 40 well, minutes. Yeah, the, the creepiest part of the episode, like you said, was the part with Mark Gaddis and his and his you know female partner and, and the dialogue they were having. That was scarier than than the giant monster running around. Well, that's what I, I liked was she says, you know, you're so cruel. And he says, well, I learned it from you. And I, I would have liked to have seen more of that or mm-hmm. have him be that way towards other people. You know, he was nice, but it was, he was in a slimy way to uh, Martha's sister. But you, to see that behind the scenes a little bit, you still got that oily feel to him. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, thank you so much, Diane. I really appreciate you chiming in. And um, before we had you live voice-wise, you were participating in a chat, too. So just to remind everyone that, that may be listening to this show afterwards, if you want to participate, even if you don't want to come on via voice, you can, there's an online chat that, that goes on while we're recording as well, and you can participate that way, too. Well, All right, I, so I'm afraid I have to bow out. I have to go to well, work today. We're just about to bring the show well, to a close. So. Oh, well, then I'll stick around <laughs> So that's point happened. Okay, so I'd like to thank everyone that was involved. Um, we had a few people that had to bow out early, such as Taras and um, and James. And thank you. Well, I don't want to um, be included in that group, so I'll stick around. <laughs> and um, thanks to Darth and Mike, and obviously Ken <laughs> and Diane. And Diane and Dave. Everybody and who chimed in. Who else? Was everyone else that's listening. And um, thank you for being part of the show. We'll be back next week. Next week we're doing a special. This is uh, via Dave's. Actually, actually, Dave participated in our forums and made the suggestion about us continuing the, sh- um, the talk cast version of the live show uh, next week, even though there's no new episode to review. What we're, since it's a mid-series uh, marker right now. We'll review the past six episodes. Now that we had this new trailer, we can talk about what what we might expect for the second half of the series and uh, give an opportunity for those that uh, that may not have been able to to catch up and give their um, chime in on on their take on previous episodes. And um, it's sort of going to be a free for all type of thing. So well, come back we'll next. Your review of the twin dilemma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be a rough, ready, raw version, so it's going to go out without any posts. And it's going to smell like soap <laughs> if, we're, if we're lucky. <laughs> All righty. So come back next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank and, you, um, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyanEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.com. Dot net.
just heard, an interactive, interactive, interactive podcast designed for audience participation. Come talk, talk, talk. text chat, or listen live at TalkShoe.com. I am the master, and you will obey me.